Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In this series, For the Love of God, we're talking about different things, that we, ways we can reflect his glory uh, through love and how Jesus loves in this series. And we talked about the law of love. We talked about how Jesus last week loves a cheerful giver. And so today I'm going to lead us into uh, the third message in this series. And if I were to say, how many people know what that blank is? Jesus loves the... Little children. Everybody knows that. Like, I mean, even people who are not like in the faith, they know that song. Somewhere, somehow, they know that song. But Jesus, he loves children. And so today, that's what I'm going to talk to you about. And I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to like turn me off because it's like, ah, kids message. Like, no, listen, this is so, so important. And it's so powerful for us. Listen, if we're not interested in discipling our kids, Satan is very, he's very interested in discipling our young generation. Isn't it funny that the world accuses us of indoctrination the point being, we don't deny it. We don't deny it. Doctrine is dogma. It's teaching. It's truth. We don't deny that we're trying to indoctrinate young people. But the world who accuses us of indoctrination and we say guilty, they hypocritically are like, oh, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're not teaching that in school. Yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, that's not our motive. That's not, and it's like, liar. Like, it's so obvious. Hey, the enemy is ready to indoctrinate our children. And sometimes it's kind of discouraging because it looks like he's winning. If I had not read this book, if I had not studied this book that we hold as our sacred uh, foundation of truth, I could easily get discouraged at what I see in the world today. But I've read it. I know that we come out on the winning end. I know that we're on the winning team. I know that, you know, yesterday the Lord was speaking to me personally during that soaking time about my line, my lineage will be preserved, you know. And, and it was such a reassuring, comforting time with Holy Spirit. But Jesus, he loves children and we should too. We should reflect a love for the youth, the generation of today and tomorrow and, and, and years to come. And I used to be on staff uh, at a church and I, I, I loved this church, but they had a, they, just like any church, just like Destiny Church, we have our faults. There's no perfect church. If you're trying to figure out where the perfect one is, there are none. And if you find one, don't go there because you're going to mess it up. Like you, you I, I didn't create that cute little phrase. I heard somebody else say it. But there's, there's no perfect church. But at this particular church, there was a chasm between old and young. And it was like, uh, it was, it was like the old people couldn't stand the young people. They had zero tolerance. Just all the time. Just wars. And... You know, and, and I'm like, what can we do? And I, for years, I cried out to God in my, in my private time, God, where are the fathers? Where are the mothers of the faith? Because I don't see any. All I see is old grouchy, crotchety, wrinkled up face, prune face people that they don't want nothing to do with young people. Young people get on their last nerve. Young people messing up our pretty church. You know, I mean, listen, you got young people, you're going to have broke stuff. If you got young people, you're going to have dirty stuff. If you have young people, you're going to have expenditures. They always need money for something. 
always. But we need, we need youth. We need young people. But Psalm 127.3 says this. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Like children are a gift from the Lord. And I've had to train myself because I had some Phariseeism, uh, you know, indoctrinated into me growing up. Like, can you take that crying kid out of here? You know, can, I wish they'd make those kids behave and yada, yada, yada. And there's some truth to that. I was reading this on, on this forum the other day, um, and they were talking about in this forum, it's all kind of church stuff. I mean, you think it up, it's on that forum about ministry. And there was somebody on there that they're like, um, what do y'all do at your church to keep um, kids from just running around crazy? You know, y'all know, y'all got some crazy kids here that run around crazy. You know, you do. Oh, I should have sat. Oh, let me, I should have started this message by saying, warning, warning, (laughs) warning. You know, those fast car commercials, the following message. Let me slow it down for you. The following message has high potential to offend you and poke you in your eye. Because we're going to be talking about kids. Preacher, it takes a village. It takes a village. Just shut up. Anybody that says that, they're, they're the person that you say one word to their kid. The village says one word to correct their kid. They're going to get miffed and tiffed and ticked. And, you know, they're going to go off on you and go on Facebook and write an 18-page dissertation on it. How do I know? You want me to tell you a sad story? My sister-in-law used to come to this church. And one of our worship leaders, their kid was on my nephew's team. My nephew didn't let their kid play for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And she goes on Facebook and goes off on my nephew. Now, I don't know if she knew that he was my nephew or not. I don't know. But my sister-in-law sat at the back of the church every week, was coming. And so she's watching the worship team member go off and I read it. I mean, I saw it. It was vile, nasty. And not only that, uh, the, 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 the gist was like basically this. Don't be messing with my boy. You know, you mess with mama bear. You mess with the cub. You going to get the mama bear. You going to see the claws come out. I never said a word, never said a word, never said a word in that whole situation. Unfortunately, two of our church members liked the post. I like that. Oh, that's so good. You get them, girl. Don't let nobody, you know. Hey, I'm just telling you, we lost my sister-in-law to our church. We didn't just lose her to our church. We lost her to church, period. And that was, I don't know, 10 years ago. I never said anything to any of you. Some of y'all that liked it are in this room. Never said anything to any of you because, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not going to get involved in, in that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is like when it comes to children, yeah, it does take a village. And one day 
somebody's going to correct your kid. Don't be that parent. Like whenever my kids would come to me telling me something, I'd be like, I'm going to find out myself. I'm going to go talk to your teacher. I'm going to go talk to this. I'm going to go talk to that. But I'm going to find out. I ain't just taking what you say at face value, you little crusty, (laughs) greedy, money hungry, always breaking stuff, always twisting the truth, child of Beelzebub, you know, I'm going to go get the truth first. I'm going to get the sides, all the stories. But Jesus, he loves children. We have to love this generation. And right now, and it's just not, I mean, this didn't sneak up on us, guys. But what happened is that there has uh, been a revelation, an opening of eyes. See, what the enemy meant for evil, God will take and use it for good. And while the school system has been shut down all this time. See, there are some folks in here that work in the school system and they're all different levels. There's people in administration, people in, uh, you know, staff, and then there's faculty. There's all different kinds of people that, that operate in the school system. And the school system that we have now is... Is woo Jesus, it's broke. It's broke. I never, my wife is a public school teacher. I worked in the public school system for three years, and I, we have never been private uh, or uh, homeschool. Uh, we, di- we didn't oppose it, but we've never uh, waved that banner like, man, you know, the public school's the devil, and, you know, like, let's go get, you know, Build our own little kingdom over here. And I'm not even saying that that's what people who homeschool or private school or whatever do. But I'm saying if there's ever been a time over these last few years that I have been, dude, if you can afford it, send your kids to a private school. If you could afford it, keep your kids at home and and you uh, teach them because Unless there's something that takes place in the United States in the educational arena, brothers and sisters, we are in trouble. Now, I'm not talking on some soapbox. I'm not talking about some ignorant redneck preacher that's anti-vax and I've been vaccinated. I got the boosters. I got, you know, I, I, I'm not talking from some, I'm a conspiracy card carrying QAnon person. I'm not talking from that. I am talking from a standpoint of my wife is in the school system. I am in the school system. We partner as a church with the school system. But if something doesn't happen in that arena, brothers and sisters, we are in trouble. I'm not saying we need to throw the public school system out out at all, at all. We need to redeem that. And that's why, man, when Shay, and I, and I talk mainly, you know, a lot of times personally because Shay and I, but I tell Shay all the time, you are a missionary. You are going in there. You're changing atmospheres. And I'm telling you, we've seen it. And she's only been in there, what, since uh, September. And we've already seen in that classroom changes. There's transgender kids in her room. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, chaos and families and everything. And we already see some amazing things going on in that classroom. Because if you're not careful, you'll begin to see those kids as thugs, problems. You know, like, oh God, the dregs of society, the whatever, the whatever, whatever. But if you look at it from this, Psalm 127, you see those students as a gift. You see them, the Lord's rewarded you, Shay, and all of you other. The Lord has rewarded you with this. And so, let's move on. Let's read Mark chapter 10. We're going to read where Jesus comes into contact with some children. And, um, and then I want to pray with you guys before we leave today. All right, verse 13 is where I'm going to start. You ready? Yes or no? All right, there you go. 
So one day, some parents, circle the word parents if you have a pen on you. Circle the word parents. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry. Circle the word angry. He was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who uh, are like these children. And I tell you the truth. Anytime Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whatever is fixing to come after that is very important. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their head and he blessed them. All right. Not a long passage of scripture there. Let me recap it for you. All right. Jesus is out ministering. All of a sudden, these people just start thronging towards him. They knew who he was. The word had gotten around. He was, quote, uh, master, prophet, uh, a man of God. And so any people wanted their children to be blessed by a man of God. And so these, these people just start coming and just start uh, bringing these kids to him. The disciples see this and they're like, what are you doing? The man of God is trying to be about the father's business. Like we don't have time for these, get the snotty nose brats away, getting his robe dirty. And Jesus, he sees this and he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, stop that. Like he's angry. He's not just like, hey, what are y'all doing? Explain it to me. I'm seeking to understand. <laughs> this is not the conversation Jesus had. I mean, he, he, he looks at them and goes, hey, what, 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 what are you guys doing? Don't do that. Do not stop these kids from, these people are bringing their children. Do not do that. And then he goes into telling them the truth. He says, I tell you the truth. Anybody who does not, for this is the kingdom of God right here. And anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God, like these little ones, you won't enter it. I'm just telling you, like, when I read that, I'm like, I got to figure out what, how, what does that mean? Because I don't want to not do it and then miss the boat. And so I want us to look at this real quick. Jesus receives children because children are most receptive of the kingdom. I want to just slow it because this is really important. Jesus, he receives the kids. Why? Because they are the most receptive of the kingdom. Children are the most receptive to spiritual things. They haven't been raised up to doubt. They have that sense of awe and wonder. And you just tell them to do it. And they do it. You know? You tell them. You know? I got your nose. They believe it. Chill out. I'm going to put it back on. There. Look at this. Got a quarter out of your ear. Can you pull any $100 bills out? You know, they're just so childlike. They're so receptive. They haven't been taught yet deceit. They haven't been taught yet to manipulate. They haven't been taught all these things. While that comes very early, if we don't start training them, they haven't been taught to reject and Jesus receives them because they are the most receptive to spiritual things. 94% of people who accept Jesus Christ do it before the age of 18. This is coming from George Barna. They are super intelligent people who do uh, studies all throughout the world, not just uh, church, but, but in other parts of, of the marketplace. 94%. So the ages between uh, you know, birth and 18 years of age, 
And then in that study, I didn't put it on the screen, but in that study, um, the ages between four and 14 are the most uh, effective time for young people to really give their hearts to the Lord. So how important is it for us? I, I, I think it was uh, the great uh, Frederick Douglass, a former slave who said this, that we uh, will spend so, I'm not going to get the uh, quote right, but this is the gist. He said, we will spend more time trying to repair a grown-up when we could just spend the energy raising up a child right to begin with. Isn't that powerful? Go look it up. He says it a whole lot better. But it's like, how much easier is it to build a godly man? How much easier is it to train one up from a young age when they're so receptive? But you know what we'll do? We won't do that. We won't pour into it. And what ends up happening is, is we'll spend tens of thousands of dollars in trauma uh, 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 therapy and all of these things to try to fix a broken adult. A broken adult. Just raise them up from the, the right way to begin with. All right, I want you to look at this. The families in this story, they valued their children. They valued. I don't know, something's wrong with a person or a parent that does not value their children. And, and sadly, I have a brother that he's no longer on planet earth. He's, he's uh, deceased lived a terrible life, died homeless. My brother died homeless on the streets of Houston, Texas, outside of a convenience store. He had a child that was a, I mean, it looked like somebody put him up on a copy machine and made a photocopy of him. Am I lying? He looked exactly like my brother. And my brother had nothing to do with him. What is wrong with people that you would not value, especially one that looked like you? I love my kids and neither one of them look like me. I mean, look at all this. All that God had to work with. And not a bit of it. Well, I will say Noah did get my big old nose, but that's it. But somebody that does not value their own children, like you value your family, you value your children and the families they valued. And so you have to look, all right, at who was bringing them. Now, this isn't going to come if you just look at the word of God just like this. You got to get you some study tools. You got to get you some, cor uh, uh, some concordances and you got to go in. Blueletterbible.org is a great place for you to go. Uh, you got to research the words behind this stuff. So I'm like, the parents, which that, that's vague. I want to I know who. You go looking at, um, at the words here. And you, that Greek word for uh, they brought them, it's, it's really kind of like a, a participle. I think that's the right phrase. It, it's masculine. Profeo. It's masculine. So it's using the masculine tense of that. So these weren't housewives who they got one on this hip and they dragging another one over to Jesus. You know, these are men. Their wives may have been there, but it was men led. The men are, they value their children and they are wanting their children. They're bringing them to Jesus. So who, who's, who's bringing them? The, the, the men are bringing them. The men are leading it. All right, I want you to look at this. 93%, just 1% difference. And I, I get it. Statistics can be misleading. But I want you to look at this statistic, 93% chance, there's a 93% chance that everyone in a household will attend church as adults if the dad attends church. I didn't just think that up, that's those people right there who wrote this. 
think about that. Daddy, if you go to church, there is a 93% chance that everybody in your family, I'm just telling you, some of y'all that your kids ain't going to church, but you, you go to church and you went to church, I'm just telling you, that ought to be exciting news for you because God is going to promise you your children. Your children are going to come back around and your children are going to be a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. They're going to come back around. So don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. God's going to bring your children back around. It's so important. It's so important that men are involved in church. It's so important that men lead the way. It's so important that men are role models. But I'll tell you what we'll do in the church, and, uh, and, and I've seen it my entire life. I saw it in my family. I've, I've seen it in other people's family. I see it in, in some of y'all's family. I ain't judging you, but I'm judging you. You know, I'm not judging you in a sense of, you know, condemnation, but just observation, We'll let women be the spiritual leaders of our house. Listen, I'm the spiritual leader of my house, and she's smarter than me. I'm just telling you, I know she's smarter than me. You know why? Because I tried to outsmart her a few times. <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do about uh, about cognitive development and all of that. It has to do with position. God instituted male as the head of the household. And if you don't have a man in your household, then woman, you be the, the, the head of the household. But if there is a man in your house, man, you need to man up and you need to, even if you feel like, man, I just can't, I, I can't compete with, you know, her knowledge of the scripture or whatever. Can I tell you this? And let me just give you some advice, women. Like, one of the worst things a man can, can, can do is feel inadequate. And, you know, if you got all this head knowledge about the Bible and all of this stuff, like, whatever you do, don't ever ridicule your man. Don't ever ridicule or, or dumb, you know, make them feel dumb about what they're doing. You let them know, hey, baby, you're doing a great job and, and, and you're growing. You know, just what, you, what you're doing is good enough, uh, honey. I love you. Thank you so much for, for leading us. You know, just, just start wherever they are. You know what I'm saying? But men, it's so important that you lead. So families valued their children, but look at this. But why were they valuing them? And there's three different things. Number one, they wanted a blessing. Can I tell you that those men were not bringing their children to the man of God to say, can, can, you, can you bless him? Can you, can you pray for him, preacher? We want him to get on. You know, he's going up for a scholarship to Auburn or Alabama. Or, you know, we pray and he gets on that uh, traveling ball team. Can you, can you, you know, can you blah, 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 blah. No, they were, what they were doing is they wanted the man of God to bless them because in that blessing, they felt, this is, this is their first century understanding. They felt like the blessing of the Lord. See, they didn't have the cross. That revelation had not happened. It had not come. What they had was the prophet, the rabbi, the man of God. And they were bringing because their understanding of eternal life was in the blessing. You know, what was the blessing? Well, we read it in there. It involves the laying on of hands. And it's a pronouncement. A, a, a blessing is not a prayer. A blessing is I give to you, I impart to you what I have. Like you can't bless somebody with something you don't have. It's stuff that you possess either physically, financially, materially. When, when I die, I hope that Shay and I can be a financial blessing to our children. I hope there's a financial inheritance. I hope things that we've worked hard to pay off, that they will have somebody, you know, the, the, like us, that will bless them with some financial stuff. But look, look, all that stuff is going to go away. My prayer is that I bless Noah and Savannah with integrity, with purity, with, with me saying, boy, I ain't never cheated on your mama in my life. Never looked at another woman. I don't care if you believe me or not. I've told people that before and they said, man, you lying. You must not be, you must be a eunuch. You must be blah, 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 all, all this. I'm like, no, I just am telling you, she's the woman I love. She's the only one I want. She's a good woman. She's a good lover. She's a good, all of those things. You know, and, and 
I want to leave that to my family. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm want to leave. And it, listen, if you've messed up and you can't leave that, you, you can leave it. Redeem it. Redeem it. Redeem it. Own up. Man up. Take responsibility for it. And say, I learned from my mistakes. And son, I don't want you to learn from that. Leave him a legacy of lessons learned from your mistakes. So they were bringing them to the Lord for these things. But the disciples did not value the children. They didn't value the children. They looked at the children and what they saw. Look at this. They devalued the children because the children had nothing to add. Children in that day and time, it's not necessarily like this now, but children in that day and time, they were not seen as valuable until they could take up a trade or work on the farm. Hey, guys, we, we haven't been that many years from that. The 1800s, early 1900s, I'm telling you that when they're spitting kids out, they're hoping it's a boy. Why? So he can run that plow. So he can, you know, farm the back 40. So there, there, was, there was no value because these little snotty nose things have nothing to value. There's no spiritual uh, value that they can add, no physical value. So they devalued the children because they had nothing to add. But look at this, Jesus valued their children. And they, they devalued them because they had nothing to add. But look at this, Jesus valued them because they had nothing to add. The very thing that the disciples devalued them for, Jesus valued them for. Because this is where the truth comes in. Where he said, listen, I tell you the truth. Unless you receive the kingdom like a little child. Listen, I value people who are great teachers, great uh, leaders, great uh, musicians and singers and all of that. People who uh, in our church that they're consistent, faithful tithers. I value all of that. But can I tell you this? None of that will get you into heaven. The Lord honors that and the Lord rewards that. But that will not get you into heaven. The only thing that is going to get you into heaven is grace. And he says this, unless you come as one of these little children, you cannot enter heaven. Well, how do I, how do I come to them? How do I come to them? They don't have, they don't have any money. They don't even have talent yet. Like it, it's in there, but it's not developed. They don't have any possessions. They don't have wisdom. Kids are, you know, when they're little, they're some of the dumbest things on the planet, you know. They'll, they'll be trying to job a, 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 a screwdriver in an electrical outlet. I told Noah so many times, boy, don't you run in that street. What's he do? Like, I mean, they have nothing except their grubby little hands and their grubby little feet and their little bodies. They have nothing but their bodies. You know what? That's all you can bring into the kingdom of God. That's all you can bring into the kingdom of God. You can't bring anything else that will merit you getting eternal life. The only thing you can do. And look at this. Woo! Look at this. Romans 12 and 1 says, And so, dear brothers and children, uh, or brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Uh, uh, uh. Do you get it? Unless you come as a child, little child ain't got nothing but their bodies and they'll come to their daddy. Uh, uh, uh. Pick me up. Like take this whole container I'm in. That's how the father wants us to come to him. We come and we look at, look at it. It says, because Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that we, he will find acceptable. Like it's truly the only way to worship him is just give him all you have. And look at this. 
So I'm just going to wrap this up and say, how in the world, Jesus, he wants us to love children. I had a lady in Georgia one time. Um, I couldn't get that woman to serve in children's ministry to save myself. She had all these hoodlum children. Y'all don't think y'all's little angels are hoodlums, but you wait till they get behind that door back there. And then they become hoodlums. Little, little hoodlums. And I, and I, I think she had five of them. <clears throat> I think she had, like, Brandon's like that. He's got all them little hoodlum girls. <laughs> Sam, good Lord, boy, you saw, y'all fertile. <laughs> got all them little cheerings. But I could not get her to serve in children's ministry. And She's like, oh, yeah, I don't do children. I'm like, it looks like you did a bunch of them to me. <laughs> but she would not serve in children's ministry because she saw children as a nuisance. And she's like, I got them hellions all week long. I need my two hours of church. I need my free time, y'all. I need to go get delivered. You know, and I'm like, but, but, but you need to move from consumer to contributor. And you, you, you got to see children not as this, but that. You got to see children the way Jesus sees them. Because the enemy is waiting, is waiting to disciple them. And so how can we love our, our children? Why is it even important to love children? Listen, every one of us in this room is getting older by the minute. We done got two hours older just by being here. I don't know about you, but I've been here since uh, six this morning. So I, 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 I've gotten almost six hours older. All of us are getting older. And there's going to come a time and we have got to prepare well. We, we can't be these kind of people. Sometimes I feel like I obsess over who's going to take my place at destiny. Like, I plan to be here until I'm about, you know, I don't know, 64, 65. Dude, that is going to be here in another 10 years. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of leader that just uh, gets to my date, expiration date or whatever that looks like and goes, see ya, I'm out. Who preaching next week? I don't know. You ain't got nobody lying? I don't care. I done my time. I'm over. No, I love you. I love this house. I love this calling. And I'm look, I don't know about you. I'm looking for somebody right now to take my place. I don't know who they are. I don't know about y'all, but I think crazy stuff like this all the time. I'm going, now I don't want to put any pressure on you, Jeremiah. All right, so don't, you can talk dad through if you don't understand the stuff I'm saying right now. I don't want to put any pressure on you. But I, 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 want to, I, I look sometimes and I go, is it him? Is it him? Is it one of these kids in here that is 12 years old? Because in 12 years, they'll be 22. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times we'll be like, uh, we'll be like uh, Samuel. And he's looking at Jesse's sons and he's looking like, yeah, let me look at him. Give me that big one over there. I take that big old brawny one. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, nope, that's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. And it's the youngest, most inexperienced one. And God anointed him king of Israel. And he didn't even become, he was anointed right then. And he was not, even, didn't even become king. I can't remember how many years it was. And I'll look for these things because I'm like, you know, why are children important? They're important because for the church to be successful, the big C church, for the church to be a, an ever-increasing kingdom, I cannot just come and consume as a leader. My entire job at Destiny Church is not to make of it what I am going to get out of it. It's for me to raise up the, whoever will take the church and lead until Jesus comes if he doesn't come before then. That's, that's my job. 
And that's our job with children's ministry. That's our job with youth ministry. That's our job with the church. That's our job with society. While you pull in uh, uh, the, 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 the $200 a month social security that's left for you a month, you know, those folks are going to be running the nation. We cannot just abandon the generation. We'll get all over that abortion uh, message. You know, and rightfully so. But we will spiritually and culturally abort our children. We'll, we'll, we'll abort them on the, on, the, uh, on the sacrificial block of traveling sports teams. Listen, don't get mad at me. I told you I was going to offend you. I got family that does it. I got family that does it. And I'm like, listen, I love, I love my nephew. I love him. I love him. I love him. And if y'all watching, I'm sorry if I'm offending y'all. But as good as he is, he is not. And uh, preacher, don't you say that? You know, there's life and death in the power of our tongue. Yes, there is. And there's some common sense too. And I'm like, I've seen him play. He's good, but he is not going to play Major League Baseball. But he's going to spend an eternity somewhere. Maybe he is going to play Major League Baseball. Maybe he is going to do this, that, and the other. But if you go and research it, I don't have these statistics. If you go and research the number of people that actually get to the NFL, to the NBA, all, all of these things is so minuscule. And they'll put so much time and energy in that, but they will not sow the time into raising them up. Man, we need some uh, Tim Tebow's. We need some more of them. Because that boy's got it right, young man. That, that guy's got it right. Somewhere, somebody, somebody built him good. They raised him up good. And look at where he's at and look how he's not ashamed of the gospel. Half of the time when I look at young people that uh, they get out there and they begin to get some, you know, notoriety or whatever. It's like they go crazy, just crazy. Got to sow their oats. It's their prodigal season. Like the prodigal son, they're out there doing all kind of crazy stuff. I remember I used to. I, I, I don't care if people think I'm crazy or not. I used to pray for Justin Bieber all the time. And I, I, I remember I taught uh, uh, elementary uh, English as a second language. And I would be, and some of my students were uh, students that needed it, but then some were just regular students that were, I would have. And I would hear these middle school boys just like dogging Justin Bieber. And they were Christians. And I would just take a little time with them. And I would say, hey, now, I, I want to talk to you for a second. Like, why are you dogging Justin Bieber out? You know? Why, why are you doing that? And they're like, I, man, I don't like it. All these dumb reasons. They either heard somebody that was dumber than them. Giving all these reasons. And I said, but you're a Christian. And that is not how Christians act. That's not how Christians talk about people. And yes, he is doing some crazy, stupid stuff. He's doing, Justin Bieber, do, back then was doing some stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. Acting crazy. Money done gone to his head. Done lost his roots where he came from. Let's pray for him. Bow your big head. You know, and like, let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. And so I would pray for him all the time. I don't know him, never probably going to meet him or whatever. But this is what I'm thinking. He has done more evangelism in his entire little teeny life that he has than I have in 35 years of ministry. He'll, do, he'll, he'll reach more people in one concert, one YouTube video. And now... God's done got a hold of his life and his heart. And you see him with Dante Bow and some of the, the prophetic voices. And you see somebody, um, you know, uh, who, who, who's thinking about shawty, you know, and 
He's on stage leading into the presence of God. That's why we can't forsake the next generation because of the call that is on their life. And so let me just share these with you. I'm going to share them quickly and we're going to pray. How can you activate it? You can pray for your kids. The scripture says that Job had, I think it was two boys and, uh, sorry, two girls or three girls and seven boys. Anyway, he had 10 of them. He was fruitful like y'all. He was fruitful. And the scripture says that every morning Job would pray for his children, all 10 of them. And he would offer sacrifices on their behalf. And this is, now we don't have to do this necessarily, but he would offer a sacrifice for all 10 of them. And he's like, just in case, I know they're good kids, but just in case they sinned against the Lord and forgot to talk to them about it, I'm gonna do it for them. Well, we don't live under that kind of covenant. But pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. The Lord hears your prayer and you, you going to, you're going to be glad when the time comes, but pray for your children. The second thing is bless your children. Well, Pastor Rife, I'm not even sure I know what blessing is. It's simple as this. In the Hebrew tradition, the fathers would lay their hands, or a priest, but fathers would lay their hands on, on their children, put their hands on their head, and they would bless them and they wouldn't pray for them. You know, they would, but not, blessing and prayer are, are not the same necessarily. They would put their hand on their head and then they would give to them what they possessed. If you ain't a man of integrity, you can't give nobody integrity. If you're a philanderer, you can't give anybody purity. If you ain't a man of God, you can't give godliness. But whatever you are, you can. If you're a great mechanic, if you're a great teacher, if you're a great whatever, you can impart because that's part of your DNA. And you lay your hands on them and there's a transference that goes. So you're speaking words of life, but hands are transference and you're transferring the anointing, the gifting on your life to them. I'm telling you, some people, they, they ain't gonna do it because they just... It, it, it's weird to them. Why is it weird? Because you ain't ever experienced it before. But fondue was weird to me until I tried it. And I'm like, ooh, I like this. Lots of stuff are weird until you try it, until you understand. But so you bless them and you say, you are a man of integrity. You will never fail your wife. You are a good father. I bless you with goodness. I bless you with integrity. I give to you wisdom, if you're a man of wisdom. I give to you humility. I bless you with a spirit of humility. You understand? And so whatever you possess, you can give. Try it. Just ask your ch children, if you've never done it, John, I... I challenge you. I, if you, you may have never done this, but I challenge you. Just, I'll use you as an example. Just say, hey, Colton, do you care if dad blesses you? Just let him crawl right up there in your lap. Take your hand, put it right here or put it right here and just bless him. I'm telling you, they will never forget it. And it will resonate in them when they become adults. Instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Listen, you understand that church is a supplement, right? You understand? None of us here who are pastors, we are not here to raise your children spiritually. We're here to supplement what you're doing. Like you, they with you more than they are with us. We are here to supplement you. Don't let, don't let the only teaching that they get. Preacher, I got to have a mama's money every Tuesday night with my kids. You're teaching them all the time. Teaching them, teach them in the garage. Teach them while you're picking up sticks in the backyard. Teaching them when you're playing baby dolls with them in the floor. You know, this is how a good godly mom treats, you know, 
Hi, I'm good godly mom. You know, I love you. Let me put my hand on your head and bless you. You know, I mean, you just, it's not rocket science. It really is not rocket science. And number four, Jesus did it in a way that everybody can do it. You, you know, Jesus did it in a way everybody can do it. And this is the fourth thing. And thank you for being patient for us going uh, a, a little long today. And, but bring them to Jesus. This story that we're reading, uh, this account, they brought him, the, their children to Jesus. They brought them. Listen. Right now we're going through a thing in the church world. It's sad. It's happened here at Destiny. It's sad. Parents have stopped bringing their children to the house of God. Why? Well, we just decided that we didn't need church to be spiritual. Oh, that's so dumb. Yes, you need the church. You don't need the school to get educated, but you go. You don't need to go to work to live every day, but you do it. Like, yes, you need the church because God instituted the church. Well, it's the institutional church. I just have something against the institutional church, preacher. Well, guess what? I got something against the institutional grocery store. Walmart. I'm about done give up on those folks. But I hadn't. Because it's cheaper and that's where my wife makes me go. I'd be all up in Publix. But I, you don't give up on the institution. And can I just tell you this? You're going to get hurt, suck it up. You're going to get disappointed, suck it up. You're going to get offended. Shay offends me every week. Now, I don't ever offend her. But are you serious? Like, are we going to give up? Because she got on my nerves yesterday. No, because I know she's going to get on my nerves tomorrow. And I'm, you know, hey, I'm just being real with you. It might be a little funny, but I'm seriously being real. I'm so sick and tired of hearing these. Uh, I'm just going to say it. I'm so tired of hearing these titty baby answers. Come on up here, baby. Let me put you. You got. Mm, there you go. There you go. It's okay. It's okay. I know, I know, I know. Listen, well, you're the preacher. I'm a preacher. I'm a daddy. I'm a husband. My, my daughter, this is what we told them. When they got offended and hurt by the youth pastor. Well, see, I can't go to another church. But I can fire somebody. You know, no, 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 no. You get hurt. This is what we told our daughter. She had a situation. She was offended by the youth pastor at the time. What none of these, it was years ago. And so this is what we said. So you're going to need to go sit down and talk that through with them. What were we doing? We were, we were doing number three. Instructing them in the ways of Jesus. You're going to need to go sit down. Get your little list. So your thoughts are together. Check your heart before you go. And you ain't going to go in like my pastor in Atlanta. His son told me just a little snotty thing. And he's like, my dad's the preacher. I don't have to do what you say. My dad's your boss. I swear to God, he said that to me. My dad's your boss. I don't have to do what you have to say. I'm like, well, he is my boss, and I'm your boss. So sit your tail down, and you mind me. We told our children, 
when you have a situation, this is how Christians work that out. When you have a leadership issue, this is how you do it. We coached them through it. We sent them on their way. I never talked with the youth pastor. I'm just, I, hey, I just want you to know, my daughter's coming over. She's going to see you. It better turn out good, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink, wink. Never let them handle it. Why? Because you're going to get hurt. You're going to get offended. And guess what? It's not just the church. But you'll go back to work. Why? Because you worship money. Ooh, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other sermon. That's a whole other sermon. I got to stop, y'all. All right? I love you. Jesus loves children. We have got to love this next generation. The life of the church depends on it. And look, we need more young people at Destiny. We do. When I see Braden, I'm excited to see people like Braden. We need more young people at Destiny. We need to give them opportunities. And, oh man, I wish I had more time. And my wife's saying, you don't, you don't. But look, Young people are going to make mistakes. They are. They're going to make mistakes. And they are going to fail. And they are going to get it wrong. And fathers never go, well, you stupid idiot. You moron. That's not what fathers do. Fathers go, now let's look at that. Let's see what you could have done better. And let's do it again. And we don't take it away from you and we're not going to punish you, but we're gonna, we, we are going to learn from this and we're going to give it to you again. All right, I'm, I, I love you. All right, so I'm not going to pray for you. The prayer team's going to be down front if you want to pray. Parents, don't forget, we are going to have a meeting upstairs in meeting room three. It's out those doors upstairs. God, I just pray that you take what I've said today and that you use it for your glory. I pray that you take what we've said today, God, and that you bless this house. I'm adding it up in my head. Four years at college. Shay, help me because you know math is not my strong point. Four years at college. Five years at Loxley. Five years in Atlanta. Uh, two to three years in, in uh, Loxley again. How many years is that? So 21 21 years of my 35 years of ministry has been ministering to young people. Children, I've wiped tinies. I've wiped snotty noses. I've taught little children. I've taught preschoolers. I've taught elementary school. I've taught college uh, age young people. I've taught uh, youth group age young people. Um, I've, I've preached youth camps. I've taken missions trips to foreign countries with just young people. I've gone to other countries and done ministry and, and youth events there. There's a biblical principle that says, whatever you sow, you will reap. And this is what I'm asking you. Now, this is just me. Now, I want you to add yours to it. And, and we're going to think about this throughout the week. I'll send you an email or something. But we're going to think about this this week. And I want you to partner with me. Now, I just gave you mine 21, and I think it's more than that, but 21 years of ministry just to this age that we're talking about. Now, add yours to it. How many years have you done it? And I, 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 what, I, what, oh God, please bear with me. This is, this is prophetic. You are going to send an email back to me. I'm going to send you one and you're going to send me communication back. And you're going to tell me how many years of your life have you dedicated to ministering to that age group. We're going to add all of that together and in all of those different areas. And mine has been in, in a uh, institutional type church setting, but some of y'all's is in therapeutic uh, in industries, trauma, school system. So you'll let me know. And this is what we're going to do. 
we are going to take and petition. You know what, what a petition is? That's what prayers are. We're going to take a petition to God and we're going to say, Lord, we got this petition here that all of us signed. We came up with it. And uh, this is all our experience. This is all our sowing. And based upon the principle that you gave us, whatever you sow, therefore you will reap. We got a hundred cumulative years or whatever in 18 or 20 or 50 different areas. And we're going to say, we're now ready to begin the reaping process of our sowing. Are you following me? I'm telling you, I believe that it's the hand of the Lord on that. So you'll be getting an email from me this week.